All right, today I want to I want you to look at Psalm 66. This will be on the screen this morning, Psalm 66. We'll read four verses. We'll let the Lord speak to us. Psalm 66. And I want to speak to you this morning on this subject as we enter as we enter this Thanksgiving season. And by the way, as Christians, we don't need November to, 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 to remind us to be thankful for, for the blessed Savior that died on the cross for us. Praise, um, you know, in some, in some places, it seems that praise has become so mushy. Say, so what do you mean mushy? I don't know what I mean. I, I mean, it's so unspecified. It's, it's almost no different than you go to a concert and, you know, some kind of secular concert and you just jam out and feel good. That's not praise and worship. We're not just, we, we don't just sing songs. We sing songs to someone. We see songs that have a message of the Word of God and of redemption of Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's some of our kids back there. And that's all right. You know, they're, amen. Uh, but we praise our Lord. We praise our Savior. We worship our Savior. Hallelujah. Let me just hold on a second. Hi, kids. Good morning, kids. Hi, kids. Amen. <laughs> One of them went like this. <laughs> I love kids. Amen. Don't you love kids? They're not a bother. They're a blessing. Amen. Uh, anyone that doesn't love kids, kids or dogs, get rid of them. And even people that like cats, they're a little weird. I don't know. Some cat folks in the world, you know. <laughs> so we're going to talk. Uh, let me talk to you a few minutes and teach on this subject as we, as we enter in our Thanksgiving season. And we do have folks gone today. I know the style cops are, had taken their mom and dad back to the airport today and Bob and Dorothy. Others. Some are watching, but, but we're going to talk about, as we enter this Thanksgiving season, I'm going to talk about a life permeated with praise. You hear that? Praise is not something we, oh, I, I, you know, that we do in a box here. That we, oh, it's Sunday. No, we have, our lives need to be permeated with praise, with thanksgiving, and worship. No one should have to prime us or pump us up like some, you know, like some cheerleader. But we should, there should be a praise upon our lips. Here's what, the, here's what the psalmist said. The psalmist said in Psalm 66, verse 1, he said, reading the word of the Lord, Make a joyful shout to God, all of the earth. Now one day, I guess that is a command. It certainly is a command. But it's also a prophecy. And the reason that's a command and a prophecy is because most of the places you go on the earth, they don't praise our Savior. He's not welcome. He, you, take, you say, well, uh, oh, no, you can worship. No, just take Jesus with you. See how popular you are. But one day from all over this globe, from sea to shining sea, they're going to praise him. Come on. Christ is coming to rule and reign, and he's going to rule from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And, and in that day, he shall reign, and they will worship him. And the trees of the field will clap their hand, and the mountains will melt at the presence of the Lord. 
So it's a prophecy. Then it says, sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Make it glorious. Do your very best. Make it glorious. I mean, let's build a building that's glorious. Let's build a building that where we give God our best and that we put our best in it. We worship him with all of our heart, our mind, our souls, and our strength. Make it glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through, through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praise, praises to your name. Could we say amen, amen to the word of the Lord? Father, we ask your blessing upon the word of the Lord today to our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us. Lead us that our lives may be permeated with praise. Bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Some time ago I was talking about identity. In fact, I have a whole series of messages. I probably have six months worth of, worth of messages on identity and, and who we are as recreated people in Christ Jesus. But most people have an identity crisis in the world. Now, we shouldn't as regenerate, born-again people. But many, and I would say most people, don't know this, that our, our soul, our core, our core reason for being created is to worship God. Now, in the, in the old King James, it said, there's a verse, and it, 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 it translates it in a certain way, which I think is very beautiful, saying that we were created to praise and to worship Jesus Christ. But listen to this verse in Revelation 4.11. I don't know if this will be in this, but this is the old King James. It says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you, for thou hast created all things. Now notice this. For thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created to praise him. We were created for his, for his pleasure. Now, now consider this. The father sent his son into the world. He died on the, on the horrible but yet wonderful cross to redeem us, to bring us to himself, to forgive our sins, to write our name in the Lamb's book of life, to, to, to give us a place, to adopt us. We've been adopted into his family. Now, sin's power is not going to be broken. If you're a child of God, sin's power has been broken over our lives. John 3, 16, Colossians 1, 13, 1 John 3, 8. But here's what I want you to understand today. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. See, cleansing our sins is not the end of everything. It's just the beginning of a beautiful work that God wants to do in each of our lives. And he wants to, he wants to form us and recreate us and, and, and mold us into people that bring glory and honor to his wonderful name. Yes. 
Now, not in heaven only, but right now, right now, he wants us to be people that glorify his name. In Matthew, it says that let your light so shine before men that they may glorify, that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. That that God would so work in our lives that people, when they see us, our lives would bring glory and reflect glory and honor back to the Lord Jesus and to our father. When Adam was created, Adam, man, he was created, the Bible said, created man, mankind, in his, in his image, in his image, God's image. So in a sense, when Adam was created, in a, in a, in a, a true sense, Adam was, uh, was to reflect God's glory. He was, represent, he was to represent God on the earth. He was a representation of God on the earth. He wasn't God, but he was a representation of God. And that's what we are. We're, we're to represent God on the earth. He's God. We'll never be God. We're, we're adopted children. We're, we're redeemed children. But what, when we're recreated in Christ Jesus, we are to reflect him and represent him on the earth. Now, the image of God, how would, how would we describe that? It's, it's, it's man having the ability to reflect the communicable attributes of God. I say communicable attributes because God is all-powerful, will never be. God is all-loving, and we can have love, but he's perfect. He is God. He has attributes that are not communicable, that make him God in his very essence and his very nature. But yet as his children, we have the ability through the, through the blood of Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit to reflect his image. Through the, through the work of God, the communicable attributes of God. And what happened is man is creating God's image in a rational way. We have reason. We had intellect. We have, we have will. We have emotion. There's a moral sense in which Adam was created in the image of God. Adam and Eve were sinless. They were, they were sinless in the beginning. But in the fall of God, something horrible happened. And that is the image of God was tainted. Our, see, sin has touched every part of our lives. Sin has affected every part of the human personality. Sin has affected man's mind. It's, it's affected his will. It's affected emotions. That's why people sit around and, and get counseling because they don't know how to fix themselves. And they're dealing with all kind of things that, that men in their fallen condition, they can't, their, their will, their will has, been, has been dominated by sin. Their emotions are, are distorted because of sin. Their, their, their wills, their, their minds are confused because of, that's what's happened in the fall. The, 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 every part of man outside of Christ. Every part of man outside of Christ has been damaged by this. But here's the thing. But when a person comes to Jesus, and I, I have said for years, we have not communicated very well as the ministers of the gospel the incredible, supernatural miracle of the born-again experience. I mean, I mean, some people think it's going down and shaking a preacher's hand. Hey, sign this card. You're, you're a member of the church. Wrong. When you are born again, your life is completely changed from the inside out. You get a new heart. You get a new mind. You're born again. 
It's a, listen, it's a greater miracle than the parting of the Red Sea, than all the miracles that we see in the Word of God, all the physical miracles. My, my understanding of the Word of God is there is a supernatural change that happens when someone comes to Jesus Christ. You can't remain the same. Now, the Bible says that we're recreated. We're being recreated in his image. Colossians says, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man, the old unregenerate self with his deeds. Verse 10 says, and and have put on the new man and the new self who is, notice, who's being renewed in, in the knowledge according to the image of him who created him. So this is incredible change when we come to Jesus Christ. So that means this, that a, pers- a new person born again in Christ is to see life and to approach life in a totally different way than someone who's unregenerate and lost. There's a new life that we're to live. There's a new kingdom. There's a, there's a new outlook. There's a new past, present, and future in that person's life. And, and what I would say to us, of course, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So what is life to be not like now? Well, one facet of that life is this, that all of life, or at least we should be striving to have all of our lives permeated with praise. David said, I'll bless the Lord at all times. Was his life, was it permeated? I'll bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth, Psalm 34, 1. That is a life permeated with praise. And I know life is difficult. Um, Anyone that said Christianity was easy has a cheap substitute. They don't have the real thing. Serving the Lord is very difficult. And I think it may be becoming more difficult in our, in our modern days. We're seeing our government even pass laws that are anti-God and anti-Scripture. But regardless of that, we have the commands of the Lord to be lived out. So when we go through difficulties, storms, pressures, and they have a way of kind of chipping away at us, you know, like a slow leak, you know, just every day. You, we go through these issues, and if we're not careful, it can chip away at our praise. It can chip away at our worship. It can chip away at our hope. But how do we face life? I want to show you, and this will, I'll try to be, more. You know, that was kind of a long introduction, but here's the question. If our lives are to be permeated with praise, here's the question. When are we to praise the Lord? And I want to show you just briefly the three times that we are to praise him and thank him and worship him. And there are three different stories, and we just kind of hit the high points. And maybe you can go and, and, and meditate, on, meditate it, on it a little more this week in your private time. The first time we should praise the Lord is before we enter a storm. And there's a story. I, I would just call this the praise of expectation. You're, gonna, you're either, now I can tell you this, because I, I know how folks are, been around folks, dealt with folks for years. You're either going to be in a storm, you're either in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. 
It's the way the cycle of life is. I see a lot of heads shaking here like, yeah, I'm, I'm in one right now. Just came out of one. Think, think I might be going into one. It's just a cycle. Of life. I know the Father's sovereign. I know he's sovereign. I know he governs all of that. So it's not like we're just, you know, at the whim of, of the pressures and powers of this life. But the truth is, we all know those seasons when we've entered a storm or we've been in the middle of a storm or we've come out of a storm. So how do we do this? I, I can tell you this. The Bible prescribes that we should praise God before storms ever start. Before we ever engage the battle, we should praise the Lord. And there is a story about this. You know, when we're entering, when we're entering a storm or we're kind of sensing that a storm is coming, the tendency is to be gripped by fear and to be gripped by dread and to let worry and anxiety kind of overwhelm us. And this is what happened to a man, a king, a great king by the name of Jehoshaphat. And it reads like this in Chronicles 20. It says, and it happened after the people, after this, that the people of Moab, the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites, I mean, just a whole gang of folks, they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Some of them came and told Jehoshaphat, you know, some folks just come with all the, all the good news. Uh, you know, hey, Jehoshaphat, yes, how, how is it going? Yeah, guess what, Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea. I mean, this is getting bigger all the time. Uh, uh, from Syria, and they are at Hazar Tamar, which is in, in Gedai. And Jehoshaphat feared. He's about to go into a storm, our first kind of human kind of natural default is to become fearful when we start seeing things coming and the enemy will start distorting them till you see here's the thing if we could if we could see at the end what god's going to do we'd probably praise more over here right and then when we when we we oh, oh you know before the storm we enter the storm it looks big it looks bad and then people come oh well, never gonna make it yeah thank you for that encouragement you know and and they're coming from beyond the sea jehoshaphat and 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 they're all these people and, there's, and then he even said this and and others with them besides it's just undefined here there's a whole bunch of folks and jehoshaphat there's a whole bunch of other folks too but if Jehoshaphat could have fast forward in, in the Lord just transported him to the other side and he could see what God is going to do in the end, don't you know he would have been over here like, oh, thank you, Lord. Watch. Hey, guys, just watch this. It's going to be good. It's gonna be, this, this is going to be good. God's about to work on our behalf. But, but, but we don't get that privilege. Why? Because he says you must walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. See, we don't walk by faith. Or by sight. We walk by faith. We have to trust when we can't see it. We have to believe when it's not there. We have to live by the, by the truths of another world. We have to look beyond and see that our God is constantly at work. We know that all things work together for the good of those that love God and those that are called according to his purpose. God is working for our good. And he began to fear. And he set himself to seek the Lord. That's very important. What do we do with our fears? We've got to take them to the Lord. Because you know what? You and I were never designed to fear. We were never designed for worry. We were never designed for anxiety. 
I mean, many people, I would say most people are in hospitals today, not because of physical things, but because of emotional things. Because in, we were never designed for that. We were designed for peace and joy and rest. See, you're, you, those negative emotions, doctors will tell you, doctors will tell you. I had, a, I had someone contact me this week, and I hope something's not wrong with me. I don't think there is. But I had a, a, a very sweet friend that is, has a lot of means in the world. And he said, Pastor Charles, he said, and this doesn't go to this church. He, just somebody we knew in the past. And he called me. He said, Pastor Charles, he said, the Lord spoke to me that you need to go get checked out. I thought, well, man, that's, that doesn't sound good. But I think he just feels care. And he said, I'm going to pay for it. He said, I want you to go get the whole physical, the whole, the whole kind of deal. He said, it'd probably be three or four, $5,000. He said, I'm paying for it. He said, he said, I want you to be healthy. You see? So you can dread, you, listen, it, it, it says here, he set himself to seek the Lord. Now, this is what we have to do with our cares and our worries. Bible said this in Philippians, listen, he said, don't worry about everything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your request made known to God. Now we can, we can imagine this and that and we can make up make up things but the truth is let's be truthful today the reason we don't have the peace of God is because we have not been with God we have not spent enough time with God to where that we've stayed there until the peace of God has become greater than our anxieties and the Bible says if you keep in keep this in perfect peace those whose mind has stayed on thee in the Hebrew that word means double peace and it has to be it means an abundance of peace and this is what Joshua did. Even though he was afraid, when we feel those initial anxieties coming on, we have to quickly worship God, take them to the Lord, or they'll begin to get into our mind, get in our emotions, we'll get into vain imaginations, etc. So then he gets others involved. This is important. And proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. In all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Now, this is powerful because it's more important than just the pastors or the leaders pray. You have to pray. We have to pray this thing through. We need you to pray. We need you praying every day to, for, for that the Lord would give us his help. And then, so Joshua calls all these people together. He calls a time of, of fasting and prayer and in verses 5 through 12, in fact, I'm not going to read all that, but it's a beautiful prayer that he prays. And the most beautiful part is really this last part here, and I think it's one of the greatest prayers in all the Bible because it's so honest and it's so real and it's so where we are in most of our lives. He said in this last part, for we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, for we do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Isn't that a great prayer? <laughs> Have you ever been there? <laughs> Lord, I don't know what to do, <laughs> but our eyes are on you. Lord, we don't know what to do. You just do something, and we'll, we'll do that. Come on, amen? You know, when God understands our, you know, I, I, I wouldn't fit good in some of these churches because they're just so s silly. You know, they just like, they live in a mental fantasy land. Like, oh, don't pray more than once. That's unbelief. And yet you read of Jesus praying three times in the garden. Wow. I think I'll go with the word. I'll pray 10 times if I have to. 
You know, there's some people that are just living a spiritual Disneyland. Sometimes we just need to say, God, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, as they got together, the Spirit of the Lord comes among all the people. And, and if you read the text, it was not just the moms and dad that were there. The little kids were there too. Well, I don't want to bring my kids to prayer meeting because I'm afraid they'll disrupt. No, what's going to happen is they're going to know what the Spirit of God is like. They're going to hear people worshiping and praising in the Spirit and they're going to sense the anointing, and they're going to learn how to worship, and they're going to learn how to pray. There's a gentleman that lives in southern Florida. His name's Mike, and uh, he may have been watching today. Mike was a cocaine addict, and Mike was, uh, was just a mess. And, but someone invited him to our church, and, and the gospel began to get down into his heart. And God began to break the powers of the enemy off his life. And there was a moment where Doc got saved. Doc, I'm sorry, we called him Doc. But uh, Doc got saved, truly born again. And God broke, he would come high on cocaine. And he would come, he'd be in the altars. And, 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 but God would be just fighting for him. And, and, and we were praying for him. And God truly saved that man. And filled him with the Spirit. And eventually... He spent the rest of his uh, career, he's, he's recently retired and moved to South Florida, but he spent the rest of his career ministering to drug addicts and to, to kids that were just undone in Jackson, Tennessee at a, at a place called, uh, I think it was called either uh, Youth, I think Youth Town or something. It's like a teen challenge. Spent the rest of all these decades serving. And, he, and now he's in South Florida. And, and, and when he communicates with me, here's what we did. We would have early morning prayer at the church, like 5 o'clock in the morning. And uh, we'd have a, a good group of people that would come. Uh, for, for some reason, this is no downer, but it's hard to get people in our church to come to prayer meeting. I don't understand it. It's, it's a, it's, it breaks my heart. And that's not, I'm not throwing any, but it's hard. We'd have people show up 5 o'clock in the morning, and we would pray. And you say, oh, you did it for, oh, we got excited for a week. No, no, we did this for years. And we would come, and we would pray at 5 in the morning. And we would, Doc would come to those prayer meetings. He tells me, he told me here recently, those prayer meetings saved my life. Here's what he said. He said, those prayer meetings saved my life and it taught me how to pray. It taught me how to put God first. Because how, how did it happen? He would see us pray. He would hear us pray. And he became discipled. He became a follower of God. And, and, he, and he learned how to do it. You know, how, your little kids follow you around. And they learn to do things. You know, your daughters learn to cook because they watch mama cook. The kids, need, you know, the boys learn to mow the grass. They see dad doing or work on the car. This is how discipleship takes place. And Doc said, I learned how to pray because of those prayer meetings. And that's what happens here. These kids were there. And, and all of a sudden, in the, in the middle of this, in, in, in 2 Chronicles 20, it said all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord came on a prophet named Jehaziel, and he speaks words of comfort, and he speaks words of encouragement. He said, listen, all Judah and Jerusalem and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid nor dismayed because of the great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up, the, 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 the ascent of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness. God knows where the enemy is. That's right. 
enemy thinks he's so clever. People think they're so clever. They're not clever. The all-knowing, wise God, Jesus, that has the seven eyes, he knows all. He knows where your problems are. He knows where your hurts are. He knows the lonely tears that you cry. He knows the burdens that you carry. He knows the burdens that we carry as spiritual leaders. This, I know and for me, and I know for these guys as well, this has been a heavy burden on me. Physically, it has weighed upon my mind and my heart every day for three years now. The Lord knows where your enemy is. And it says, here it says, and you will not need to fight this battle Position yourself, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord is with you. This is a true prophecy. This is the function of a true prophet to bring comfort and to bring encouragement. Has ever, have you ever had someone come to you, you know, and it may be, it may seem just like, you know, not somebody like, well, thus says the Lord, you know. They didn't, they didn't couch it that way. They just said, you know, I just have something on my heart I want to share with you. And it was really a prophecy in this sin, not prediction, but just a comfort to you. Has anyone ever comforted your hearts with the word? Has anyone, you felt down and all of a sudden you, you, they spoke and you just felt like you could run through a troop and leap over a wall? That is prophecy also. And this is what Jehaziel did. And then all of a sudden... In all of it, before they went about, they started praising the Lord. Oh, praise you, Lord. They said, said in verse 18, they worshiping the Lord. They stood up to praise the Lord with loud and high voices. What's, what's Jehoshaphat and the people doing? They're going into battle, but they're praising before the battle started. Verse 20, they rose up early in the morning, went into the wilderness to Tekoa. They went out, and Jehoshaphat stood and said, Here, O, Ju- o Judah, and inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, and you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he had a board meeting. He appointed, he met with, he met with Jason and J.R. and Josh and Kevin. <laughs> and he appointed, <laughs> come on, Amen. <laughs> And he appointed those who should sing. So he got Mackenzie and Stephanie and the group. They should praise in the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army saying, praise the Lord. This is what your kids are going to do in a minute. This is what they're going to do. No, I'm telling you, my wife already told me, this is what they're going to say. Praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. Now when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments, ambush, set ambushes. Against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. Hallelujah. And this is, this is what I've just couched as the praise of expectation. Before you ever go into a battle, you expect that when I get in the battle, I'm going to have all the strength I need. I'm going to have everything I need. The Lord is with me. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never let me down. He's never caused me to call me into a battle that caused me to be defeated. He's, he's leading me in the battle so that he can bring glory and honor and praise to his name and so that we can have a testimony of the glory of God. Hallelujah to his name. And this is, what, this is what our Lord Jesus did. Now, I'm not even going to get to the second two, the next two. Oh, no. You know, if it was like the olden days, I read where Charles Finney uh, in the 1860s, I guess, 50s, 
he had been sick, and he said couldn't be couldn't go to church. He was an older man, couldn't be at church for a week or two, which was rare. He said, and then he said in his autobiography, he said, "I was so glad to be back in in the pulpit." He said, uh, "I was able to preach my normal hour and a half like I normally did." It's the way they did it back then. But our Lord Jesus. Think about it. We we'll always want to bring it back to our, our master, our Lord, our Jesus. I'll close with this. Jesus, before he entered the storm, he praised the Father. And his, his storm wasn't Mount Seir or Ammon or those guys. His was taking our sins upon his life. The perfect son of God. What a mystery. Now, to, to, get, to, to have our theology right, we understand this. God the Son becoming a man, never ceasing to be God. There's teaching out today. I could name some names. They teach that Jesus, he was, he was a man just like us. And they're, they're, they mean that he ceased to be God. God can't cease to be God. Jesus was always God. But what he did is he laid aside the prerogatives of his deity. And he truly lived as a man, never ceased to be God. And as Jesus completely submitting himself to Father, to die for our sins, it was the only way. There is a prophetic psalm that before he died on the cross and was placed in Sheol, in the grave, this is a, this is a messianic prophecy of Jesus facing the battle. Notice what it says, Psalm 16, verse 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Notice, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You will show me the path of life, and in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures evermore. Jesus facing the horrible night, the horrible cross, said, Father, I praise you. My physical body will not be left in the grave. It will not corrupt in the grave because on the third day, he said, I'm coming out. I will rise again. And it happened just that way. Amen. I want you to stand. Tori, if you would come, please. Kins, if you'd come, please, worshipers. We just want to take a moment here. To know that our lives should be permeated with, all of our lives should be permeated with praise. One of the times that we should praise him is when we see our lives being threatened by spiritual storms or even physical things. And like Jehoshaphat, we see things and the tendency, if we're honest, the tendency of our hearts is to be fearful. The Old Testament calls it dread. 
You just have a spirit of dread upon you to see. And then your mind starts playing with you. Your mind starts vain imaginations. Oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, you're going to go under. Oh, and, and the, listen, the Holy Spirit never put those thoughts in our mind, ever. The Holy Spirit doesn't move that way. He is a spirit of hope and strength. He is the one called alongside of us to help us through this life. So you can always know his voice. And, but when we start facing things, the storm, the fearfulness can start to encroach upon our hearts and our minds. And we have a choice. We can either entertain those negative human thoughts or they may even be demonic thoughts. They may be demonic fiery darts from the enemy that bring dread and bring fear and, and cause us to be anxious. And we have a choice to either choose to entertain that and feed that fire or we can turn our hearts toward the Lord before we ever enter the storm. You may even phrase it like this. Lord, I don't understand what's happening right now in my life. You haven't given me information of why I'm going through whatever, a physical storm, maybe a financial storm, maybe a turn, downturn in friendships, maybe, maybe something I don't understand. Like, like Jehoshaphat, Lord, I don't understand this, but what I know is my, my mind and my heart is on you. My life is, I, I, I look to you. I lift up my eyes to the hills, which comes my help. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And Lord, even though you call me to go through this dark valley, you're right beside me because you said you'd never leave me or forsake me. And so, Lord, I just choose in the face of my storm to worship you. I choose to praise you and lift up your name. And we worship before we ever go to the storm. Maybe you're in a storm right now. What I would ask you to do with me, why don't you just lift your hands and worship him. Could all across this room, could we just worship Jesus today? Could we just honor his beautiful name today? You say, I don't feel like it. Yeah, that's, that's the reason you really need to praise the Lord. That's the time when you need to praise the Lord more than any other time. I don't feel like it. I feel like there's just weights upon my hands today. I would say, praise Him anyway. Praise Him anyway. Worship Him anyway. Thank Him anyway.